We are going on tour. The Glamorous Trash Podcast and my book tour have collabed and we're coming to a city near you. Click the link in the show notes to to get all of the deets. We're coming to New York City. On June 4th, we are kicking off an event with Jon Stewart. No big deal. That's our very first show in New York City. Then we're coming to Washington, D.C., Nashville, Chicago, Santa Fe, Albuquerque, Seattle, Portland, and Los Angeles. So get your tickets now. We are doing three different events because, you know, I'm always doing the most. That's just on brand, right? First, there's a glamorous trash party. It's the podcast meets the book tour meets Coachella, a live show featuring podcast segments, book segments, a very special guest. And of course, there's a runway walk at the end for people to show off their fits because the dress code to every event is obviously glamorous trash. We are also doing a cookie country club. It's the anti-country club country club. And it's very dreamy. You get like a bunch of products. There's little events. And it's a more intimate event where you meet other cookies and listen to a book chat with what me and another special guest. And then the final event, the Behind the Bangs Writing Workshop. I finally did it, put it together, put together this workshop because I wrote this book in many ways for younger me. And younger me would not have gotten off her couch unless there was also a workshop being taught. I wanted the gyms. I wanted I wanted the knowledge. I wanted the education. That's what I would have wanted. So I've decided I'm doing it. And in the workshop is going to be the six writing gyms that took me forever to learn. 15 years. In my 15-year career as a TV writer and author and blah, 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 all the other things I've written, there are six things that I always use, and all of those are in this workshop. So if you have an interest in writing, sign up. All the ticket links are live today. Click the show notes. Click my Instagram. We are coming to a city near you, and there's going to be some meet and greets. I'll sign some copies of books. We'll give out more books, and I have uh, some pieces of merch that I'm taking on the road, and I'm going to give them out at the shows. Welcome to Glamorous Trash, formerly known as Celebrity Book Club. On this podcast, we recap and book club celebrity memoirs, pontificate about pop culture, and sometimes we cry. If you've ever referenced Mariah Carey in therapy, then this is probably the podcast for you. I'm your host, Chelsea Devantes. I'm a TV writer, comedian, and filmmaker, and sometimes I'm in stuff too. And this is a Glamorous Trash Talk episode where we are going to interview another memoirist, an author who wrote a memoir, and I have 10 juicy questions, and and we're going to pop through them all. Possibly this will be an ongoing series of talking to memoirists. It's a genre I'm obviously obsessed with both celebrity and and non-celebrity memoirists. I just love memoirs. I love nonfiction. So let's see how it goes. Maybe we'll do more. Maybe this is the last one. Let's find out. I'm also going to take a moment to tell you two things I have been absolutely loving at the top of this episode, and then we will get into our interview. The first is a memoir, Abby, called Normal Family by Krista Bilton. It came out in 2022. The subtitle is On Truth, Love, and How I Met My 35 Siblings. A doozy. I was tagged in posts about this book when it first came out because Krista is a donor-conceived person, and so am I. And when I was getting tagged, I was like, no, I don't. I can't go spend more time with this. Sometimes when, you know, whatever is painful to you, you can only withstand facing it in small quantities. And so I put off reading this book. I finally got it and twist. I'm in love. 
It is a phenomenal story. She's a great writer. And it really speaks to me personally quite a lot. And what I have found is that the things that I'm often most afraid to face, the moment I do, I feel so seen and so loved and so healed. And I really felt that in this book. The book is her life is fucking crazy. And it made me feel so great about my own crazy life. So if you need a story like that, I highly recommend. Also, the newsletter, I Love Mess. It is written by Emily Kirkpatrick every week. It's titled, I Love Mess. Um, Just in case you thought I was saying I love mess, which I do, but that's the title of it. I love it so much. I reached out to her. I asked her to come on the podcast when there's a big fashion moment coming up. I love clothes and, and like looking nice and cute outfits, but I wouldn't ever consider myself like a fashionista. Like I don't actually know the fashion game. And Emily writes about it in such a funny way with observations that never would have entered my own mind on their own. I I would have never received this information if it weren't for Emily. It's also a newsletter that's filled with pictures, my favorite. And the way (laughs) I I just love it, you guys Um, sign up. I love mess. You can always unsubscribe after week if you don't like it. But she's kind of she has pictures from Julia Fox and all all this sort of stunt wardrobing she's doing during New York Fashion Week and how she just like put her on hiatus to all sorts of like really cool niche information that I found to be so fun and I look forward to it all the time. So that is the thing that I loved. Now, let's bring on our memoirist. If you enjoy this series, let me know. I'll do it more. And if I don't get any comments, I'll never do it again. But this was very fun. So let's bring on our guest. Our guest today is a stand-up comedian, writer, actor, and host who has made her mark in the UK comedy world and is now bringing her talents to the global stage. Her breakout debut comedy special, To Catch a Dick. Uh, do you like how I put the accent on dick? It's got an <laughs> a- I put my own accent on it. To Catch a Dick, executive produced by Kevin Hart, recounts London's adventures in dating and premiered globally on Netflix in December 2020. And now we are here to talk about her book. Please welcome London Hughes. Hey, baby. I'm so Hi. happy to see you. Listen, you're so gorgeous. I don't think you understand. Literally, so happy to see. No, but you are like obviously you're you're gorgeous on Instagram. But like when I saw you in real life for the first time, like a month ago, I was like, Jesus, you should be outside more. Like you're (laughs) a hottie. That's thank you very very much. Um, And I also was like (laughs) drooling on you. But um, the funniest thing is that I think you were like, how come I didn't know this from Instagram? You may. I was like, do I need to show my boobs? Yeah, like I. I really felt like I did already a lot, but no. I can always go more. Show your boobs more. I had no idea. I had made- no idea you had a body, girl. A body. <laughs> I just love you so much. I It was so fun seeing you at that party. And okay, I, I want everyone to get to experience your book. I am loving it. So please tell everyone just the general title and just like one thing you want them to know up top before we get into the questions. Um, The title is called Living My Best Life, Hun. And then there's like a subtitle, which is Following Your Dreams is No Joke. And I want everybody to know it's an aspirational book. It's inspirational. It's a book for the dreamers. It's a book for people that got told no a lot. It's a book for people that got bullied a lot in life, in school, at work. And it's a a book for the people that don't want to give up reading the book it feels like I should have given up <laughs> like I reading it from like I could have given up there I could have given up there but I just didn't and you were winning the end so yeah I would say it's a book for the people that don't want to give up 
Yeah. I love that. I will say we were talking before we started recording, but one of the hugest reveals for me is just how much you got bullied, not even just as a kid, but like in college. Yeah. And I think one, it's not what anyone would expect. And, and two, I, I really relate to it. I had some really intense bullying and, but I feel like if you would meet me now, you would never you'd be think like, that. You'd be like, she's the bully. Like exactly. I'm the bully. <laughs> yeah. This is what I've learned. Bad bitches got bullied. Like if you're a bad bitch and you're confident and like you walk in your skin and you, you just carry a certain je ne sais quoi about you nine times out of 10 is because you had to fight for that, you know? And that's yeah. why you don't want to let it go. And it's just like, we had to fight to be ourselves because people bullied us just for being ourselves. Ourselves. And I think those kind of people make the baddest bitches. I'm not going to lie. So yes, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm not shocked. I wouldn't, you wouldn't, you don't carry yourself as someone who got bullied, but apparently neither do I. It's crazy. Yeah, no, not at all. Crazy. And I think like maybe, maybe it's also because like art, TV, film, books, mostly we've seen the experience of like, you don't fit in and you get bullied or you're a nerd and you get bullied. Yes. I don't think there's been enough instances of like, you're just a woman who's loud, la- who's loud. <laughs> yep. Yep. That is not okay. You That's know, so it's like, okay. but you don't seem like, oh, you're not shy. You're not quietly being bullied. You're just like, uh, you're just like a lady living life. And it was like, fuck you. Yes. It, it was so crazy when I was younger. Cause I was like, what's wrong with me? Like, mm-hmm. I'm really nice. I'm really kind. I love my friends. I work hard. Why do people hate me? And yeah. they were literally hating me just for me. Like just not anything I said, not anything I wore, not, not how, not really how I looked like. Cause it was other black girls bullying me and I'm a black girl. So it was yeah. literally just like, you just hated the very core of my of me and yeah. it offended you in some way. And I used to think, what was what have I done wrong? And I used to try and change myself to and that's what I talk about in the book, like the deep mental like backflips your mind goes through to figure out why these people hate you for what reason, yes, whatever, yes. whatever reason. But it's none of your business, actually. What I learned is that they hate you because of themselves. <laughs> like there's something about you that makes them hate themselves. So they have to try and dim your light. But I didn't, no one told me that when I was younger, you know? No, no. Also, it's a really hard thing, even now. Like yeah. I, I know that now and it's hard for me to to think yeah. about that. I'll, I'll most often be like, I'll change something about myself. And then you have to be like, no way. Nope. Maybe it's about you. It Let's is. look at this again. Um, okay. So I'm going to ask you five questions. I would love to be asked and five questions I would hate (laughs) to be asked. Okay. Okay. Here we go. And I'm going to switch back and forth between, between the two. So you'll never even know which one is what. Okay. Here we go. Okay. I love it. (laughs) First question. Who was the first person in your life who you gave the book to, to read (gasps) once it was kind of done or a draft? Oh my gosh. It's such a, I want it to be a fun answer. Like Kevin Hart, but it's not, it's just like my manager. (laughs) No, I I think that's special though. Okay. So so you do love your manager then. She's my big sister. She not in real life, but like through, through life she is. She's my best friend, my big sister and my manager. So yes, she was the first person I gave a copy of my book to, to read. Yes. And Um, okay. Second question. What is something or who is someone you were too scared to really write about or tell all the dish on? And would you like to take the opportunity now to tell us that story with every single detail? Yes. Wait. Oh my God. There's so much. Ah, there's so 
many things that I just didn't like fully, fully dish yeah. in on because yeah. I was like, let me give these people some grace. I'm trying to think of what's the juiciest and what you will care about the most. Um, we love books. We love feuds. We love bad boyfriends. We love bad girlfriends. Oh yeah. The, the, ex, the exes, all my exes, but I, I could have said a lot worse. Like if you watch To Catch a Dick, my Netflix special, there's so many stories about my love life and they're all true. And I was like, I want to give people a fresh, cause they, you can watch the special and get all that. So I want to give people some fresh love life stories that people may not have heard of. And the ones I chose are pretty tame. Um, but they're, they're just, I could have gone a lot, I could have been a lot worse, but I don't even think that's what you lot deserve. You deserve, oh, I could have gone into more DL about the 24 hours I spent with Kevin Hart. Like I literally, I didn't want to brag too much in the book. So I don't, I talk about the fact that he, so when, um, I did my show to catch a dick at the Edinburgh comedy festival in 2019 and Kevin Hart saw a clip of me performing this show. And then he was like, I've got to meet you. I think you're going to be a star. So he, he's so busy. He's such a busy man that we couldn't set up a time to meet. And he was in Vegas for some fight. So he just flew me out to Vegas to like spend the day with him because he didn't have time to allocate me. So we, I just followed him around for the day and that was our meeting. So like we were, we were taking time out to talk in the back of cars, like the back of his car. And then when he did a podcast, so I was sitting watching him do a podcast. And then in between the breaks, he would be like, so how long have you been doing comedy? Okay, one minute, then go back to doing the podcast. And then after the podcast, he was, we, I had to walk with him through this massive Vegas casino and every paparazzi was in my face. It was all crazy. And then we went to another venue and he had a big, he was performing to like 30,000 people. And so he was backstage at that performance and I was backstage with him. And he was, instead of like focusing on his stand up, he was talking to me about my hopes and dreams. And it was just, it was just a crazy 24 hours. And I remember just thinking like, (laughs) after, after we spent the day together, I came home and I just cried. I just cried and cried and cried. Cause I was like, at that time I was, I'd been doing stand up in the UK for 12 years and I'd really just been seen as like someone who no one really cared about. Nobody was like, London Hughes is the next best thing. I used to say it about myself, but in the UK, they didn't really say it. I was always seen as like a niche or she's a bit much or she's a bit loud or she's this or she's that. And like to have someone who just, who I don't know, I've never met like Kevin Hart, seek me out, fly me out to meet him and tell me like, everything he told me and he was a man of his word he produced my Netflix special but like we have we have so much I have so I've got so much coming up that I'm doing with him and I just was so grateful that someone saw my talent on the other side of the world who I don't know and cared enough to do that for me so yeah and you um, had to do a a walk and talk general meeting in Las Vegas for 24 hours yes and like he didn't also he doesn't pee Kevin Hart didn't pee the whole time so I didn't pee the whole time and I remember just being bursting to go to the toilet but I just couldn't because I was like I don't want to leave him I want to be with him that is the craziest (laughs) experience that is unreal and yeah he's the quote on your book keep shining because you're a star London Hughes that is what he told me so okay that really delivered that really delivered thank you okay next question what was the weirdest or most memorable note that you got from your editor in the process oh my god i had to fire my original editor (gasps) wait what so you sold you sold the book to them yes and then you were like but you should get off it yes what i'll tell tell you why because of the yes please so when i first sold this book this book was i'm talking about my uk editor 
she, I guess, saw to catch a dick and was like, this girl, I, I can see a book in her future. And she approached me and my agent for this book. So I was like, cool. We did the deal. I started writing and I sent her the first few chapters. And this lady, imagine like a British woman who's really, really posh. And like she went to school in France and she's got no black friends, but she's liberal and well-meaning. And so she read the book and her notes back to me were essentially a little bit racist. <laughs> like, like accidentally racist. Like, yeah. So she basically wanted me to black, she wanted me to black up a bit more. She was like, <gasps> no. She, yes. She was like, like, um, I feel like you're not writing this in your true voice. I want you to write like you're talking to your homegirls. I was like, first of all, this is how no. I speak to my homegirls. And she said, where's your black dialect? I'm not getting what? any black no. dialect. Yes. And I was thinking, whoa. And then I had to speak with her and be like, what do you mean my black dialect? And she basically just came from a, a gener- not even generation because she's not that old. I guess just a culture where she saw me in a stereotypical black girl form. And she had her image of me and how the book would be. And she watched to catch a dick. And so she just was like, oh, she's going to be talking about hoes and dick and slang and all this stuff. And I'm well learned. I went to university and I, and I don't, you know, speak but- like I speak on stage in real life. So I wrote yeah. the book in my authentic voice and she just, yeah, unfortunately, I had to let her go after that. Um, I'm so thrilled you did. And <laughs> and like, because I think that happens a lot too, where people are like, I'm liberal. Awesome. Yes. Yeah, I want to support a black person, but uh, a concocted fake stereotype in my mind. I was like, moving forward, I don't know if I could have you on this book. So I fired her. Were you able to bring in an editor in the same place or was it like no, a mess? No, there was no editor. I wrote this book myself, no editor. Wait, yes. no book editor ever. Well, because she got, well, they were looking for someone else and then they yeah. replaced her and the girl they replaced her with, she quit. So I didn't have a UK editor. I had a, I had a US editor that would send me, you know, give me some encouraging notes, but he didn't do any, he wasn't really like taking bits out and changing it up. So pretty much everything I wrote oh in the gosh. book is as is. No ghostwriter, no editor. That's amazing. Um, Also, (laughs) you know, they say, there's that phrase of like, well, stereotypes exist because for some reason it's true, but sometimes stereotypes exist because posh white ladies are enforcing them strictly. Exactly. Posh (laughs) white ladies are the worst. Stop enforcing black stereotypes on black women. Yeah, what are you doing? That is wild. I'm so happy your book escaped her. Okay, (laughs) next question. Did you use any portion of your book to seek revenge on someone or was it just cathartic to write it out and then you deleted it? Was there any like, ooh, I'm going to get them in the book? Oh, yeah. There's a chapter dedicated to my bullies at university. So that chapter, ooh, I, yeah, I can't. I just want to. I was writing it smiling. Like, I was just like, you little bastards. I yeah. can't wait for you to buy this book and read everything I've written about you guys. And like, you're lucky my lawyer won't let me say your real names, but I want to, I really want to. <laughs> but you know what? Success is the best revenge. So it was also cathartic because the fact that I was writing this book, knowing that it was going to go out globally and I could say my story, you know, it just felt like I was a winner anyway. Um, yeah. But that, they, there's a bit that I, there's a sentence I write about the girls. I'm not going to spoil it, but yes. I, they, I loved it. That I loved that sentence. Thank yeah, you. It was perfect. Okay. <laughs> amazing. Okay. Next question. If you could change one thing about the publishing industry, Ooh. what would you change? It's okay. 
I can't really speak on the US publishing industry because they have been amazing. <laughs> I would say the UK publishing industry is just a bit, bit underwhelming. It's not as fun as the US publishing industry. <laughs> what are, the, what are yeah, the differences I'll, between the two? I'll be clear. Currently right now, my book is on Fifth Avenue in, in the, in the US, in New York, in, in Barnes and Noble. It's in the front. Like, if you walk past LA bookshops, my book is right at the front. And I'm, you know, I was born in the UK. I've only been living in America for three years. And my book is on, in Barnes and Noble, Fifth Avenue, front of shops. I've even got a billboard in Times Square popping up tomorrow. Like, that's what America did. In the UK, my book is not even sold in my hometown bookshop. Like, They didn't even order it. The day the book came out, my mom, my cousins, they all went to. And the thing is, I talk about this town in the book, but I guess my publishers didn't think to check up, to check with like the bookshops in that town and suggest that they might want to stock it. But that essentially, so funny. my mom went to buy my book in our local Waterstones, which is our equivalent of Barnes and Noble, and they did not have the book. <laughs> so <laughs> I wish the UK publishing industry would stock my book in my local store. That's what I would change. That's what I would like to change. I think that's a really good change. Thank you. Okay, we're going to take a quick break right now and we'll be right back. Sibling fights are unavoidable, but what if every fight you had was under a microscope on a global scale? That's the reality for brothers Prince William and Prince Harry. They were each other's closest friends and allies since the death of their mother. But that all began to crack as they married and took wildly different approaches to their royal duties. Wondery's podcast, Disintel, is hosted by comedians Sidney Battle and Matt Balasai. Each episode unpacks one of pop culture's most iconic celebrity feuds, and they recently took a deeper look into the real reason William versus Harry started. It's actually much bigger than these two brothers, stretching back into the history of the British monarchy. Did their feud start with the royal family's mistreatment of Meghan Markle, or was it something that started much earlier? Follow Disintel on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. I started this podcast because I have been obsessed with memoirs my entire life, and I can't believe it, but I got to write my own, and it comes out on June 4th, and you can order it right now. The book, you know, I was asked to describe it and I said, it is an absolutely harrowing, traumatic memoir, but funny. So if that sounds good to you, order it. Let me give you some topics that are in this memoir. A female best friendship breakup. How I got my break into Hollywood. When I found out my dad was not my real dad. The time I dated a magician. Are those last two related? Who's to say? Read the book. Growing up in Utah. Growing up around cults how I got into therapy. Listen, I could keep going. Each chapter title is a different woman's name in my life. Some are heroes, some are motherfucking villains. But you know what? A villain and a hero, what are both of those things? A leading role. And we do love women in our leading roles. So pre-order the book. It matters a lot. I linked everywhere that you can buy it in the show notes, but you know, go anywhere. Also, I am reading the audiobook personally. So I'm personally narrating it. So if you like this podcast, get my longest podcast ever. And the audiobook is also available for pre-sale everywhere you get audiobooks. And thank you so much for listening to this podcast. You are the reason I got to write a memoir. So thank you so, so much. Okay, welcome back. Let's continue the conversation. Whose book have you read where you told yourself, as long as my book is not like that? 
I'll be okay. <laughs> um, oh, let me think. Let me think. Um, Russell Brand's book. Mm, I've Russell never read Brand's it. got a book called My Bookie Work, and uh, <laughs> God, that's idiotic. <laughs> I know. And uh, I remember reading it and being like, if uh, if anyone but a man said this, they would come across as such a self-absorbed narcissistic asshole. But yeah. because a man's saying it, we just go, oh, he's just he's just, he's just a bit of a fella. And I remember just thinking like. Note for self when I write my book, like you, you, you can't come across like this. Like yeah, you have yeah, to be, yeah. you have to come across like you have to be a nice person. Like he's just, yeah. It, I enjoyed the book. Like I have the yeah. book. I bought it. I, I read it. But I remember thinking, oh, if he wasn't I a white man, yeah. I don't think he would get away with with the way he comes across in this book. Of so, course, of yeah. course. Okay. Yes. Now the flip. Whose book have you read where you told yourself, if my book could be like this, I yeah. would be doing amazing? Uh, Tina Fey, Bossy Pants. It's my Bible. Did you read it right when it first came out? Yes, yeah, I did. And I just, you know what? It was just like, I just, it was just, I had the way I coveted the book, like it was like some sacred scroll. Like I just I had so much love and respect for her and the book and reading it. And I just was like, this is just like legendary. Even before it was, yeah. you know, legend, before we knew it was a legendary book, I just felt that it was legendary. I felt that it was really special. And I hoped that my book would feel special to people when they read it. Okay. Did you like writing the acknowledgements or was it hard? And did you leave anyone out on purpose or on accident? Um, I loved writing it. It wasn't hard. I left, I left people out by accident. I had to keep going back. Do you know what it is? When you, people say like, when you win an award as an actor, like the, you, you re, you don't realize that everybody's coming with you. Like you go on that stage, you say, I want to thank my mom and dad, but they don't really mean it. It deep, deep inside. They're like, oh, yes, I did this. I did this. And I, <laughs> like, I'm so proud of me, but I'm going to just say, I want to thank God. And I want to thank my mom. But deep down, they know that like, they have to write that speech out. Otherwise they'll forget people because it's all about you. And so yeah. for me, I got, it was like my award speech. I literally had to, okay, okay, so who got me? Okay, she got me this, he got me. Like, you know, and some of the people just flew out my mouth and some of the people I forgot. I was like, oh shit, I've got to add this person and add this person. Because it takes a village to to be a success. But you you do forget that when you're in it, you know? (laughs) Yeah, you're like, wow, look (laughs) at all the the words I typed. Yes, and so it's just like, I was so proud of myself to get to 94,000 words and 300 and something pages. And I was just like, I want to thank me, 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 me. Okay, no, let me (laughs) add my mom and my dad and like, you know, but... I love it. That's really funny. You forget, like, yeah, I'm only yeah. human. And to be honest, when I wrote this book, I wrote it in two months. I came Whoa. on social. Whoa. I, yeah, two what? months. Yeah, two months. So I decided two months, no social media, no drinking, no going out, no dick. And I wrote the book. And so, like, I was just, like, in a hole. And was that first draft or, like, every draft till the end? Those every two draft to the end. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. If I were to do that, I would be like two months extra drinking, extra dick. (laughs) (laughs) This is the thing. I had longer to write it, but I procrastinated. I had two Mm. months left. Oh, that's perfect. A deadline. Yes, Yes, I gave myself a deadline. And um, yeah, uh, the advanced copy was like the first, when that came out, I guess that was the first draft. Okay, two more questions. What made you want to write a book as opposed to any other type of creative project? 
I've always had a book in me. Mm. That's something that, so when I was a kid, I loved writing. I used to write before I could write. Like I couldn't spell, but I would like do zigzag lines that looked like writing when I was, mm. when I was like three, four. Cause I, I just, and I'd like write like symbols. It's just on paper that looks like handwriting. Cause I was just obsessed with the, the form of writing. Yeah. And I used to write, you know, it's all in the book. I used to write Frasier fan fiction. I used to write myself into my favorite American TV sitcoms. I loved writing. And so uh, when I got bullied a lot as a kid, um, I would come home and create my own worlds um, because I didn't like the world I was currently living in. And so I would write stories. So I used to write like made up silly stories uh, for fun. So I wrote a story that um, Oprah Winfrey was my godmother and she was having a boob job and she had to go to hospital. So she asked me to dog sit in her her two dogs, cookies and cream in her massive mansion in Bel Air. And so I like wrote this and it wasn't like, it. it I guess it was a book because it wasn't like a script and it wasn't, you know, just like doodles. It was just me like at a computer just writing out this life and I really enjoyed it and I just loved writing. And um, by the time it came to like me starting to live my life, I started seeing my life in elements where I would say, oh, this would be a good part of the book or oh, this would be a good part of the book. I remember just feeling really sad about a breakup, crying my eyes out and being like, but one day I'm going to write a book and it's going to be a really good juicy chapter in the book. So it's always having this book has always been a part of my me and me it's always been in yeah. me and so yeah. that's why I could write it in two months it literally fell out of me and um yeah it was I enjoyed it I love writing I love telling stories so yeah I love great. that okay <laughs> final question do you have any advice for any author listening and really just anyone looking to tell their own story and put it out there whether it's like Instagram caption or they're going to make someone uncomfortable at the family reunion or they're just <laughs> going to be themselves at work like in terms of like just really putting yourself out there and being ready for what comes do you have any advice I feel like, babes, my truth for you is to be authentically you. Write the book you want to write. Don't write a book thinking, I should add this because other people will like this. Write what you want. Write the. I wrote this book and dedicated it to my 14-year-old self because essentially I was writing that book for her. This was the book that she needed to read when she was getting bullied. This was a book I needed to read when I was getting rejected in the British comedy scene. And so, like... Yeah. It means more to me than what if people take stuff from it, it's so amazing. But I wrote this for me and I wrote this for dreamers. And I think that way it's authentic and you can never regret it. So yeah, as long as you are writing for you and not for anyone else and you're authentic to yourself, you'll have, you'll be great. So, you know, yeah. my, my mom recently told me she found a picture of herself when she's like in first grade or something. And she like put it on her desk so she could think like, do it for her or yes. like, whether it's oh like, tell your own story or like, you I know, make yourself that. better or whatever. Like, and you writing to your 14 year old self where it's like, do what your 14 year old self would need if yes. you were here now. And it might be hard. Like in some of the chapters, you know, you think at the time you'd think a certain way when I was 50 and I thought this, but I don't think it now, but I had to write it how I felt when I was 15. You know, I had to take myself back there when I got bullied. Yeah. Like, the bullying chapters, oh my God, I was crying through them. It was so traumatic and triggering and like, Going back, it was like doing ayahuasca or something, like putting myself back in that person and going and writing it out. And at one point I was like, why am I writing this? Why am I putting this on the page? And then I was like, this isn't just about you. If anyone can read this book and take something from it, then you've done your job. Like, just do you have to, you have to go there and it's raw and it's real, but you have to go there. Yeah. And so, yeah, when you're writing the book, like 
at no point think, oh, this isn't going to help anyone or nobody will care. Literally something will resonate with someone from the words in your true words and the way you thought and felt about a situation. So yeah, you just have to just put it all out there. Put it all out there. Okay, London, (laughs) there's so many ways to buy a book, but will you tell everyone your favorite way for someone to buy your book or favorite place to go to and where they can find you on socials and all that stuff? Yes, my favorite place if you're in America is Barnes & Noble. (laughs) Um, Go to Barnes & Noble and get my book. Um, If you're not in, in, if you're in the UK, I have no Waterstones, some Waterstones shops stock my book, but not Croydon or Brighton, but some of them too. But uh, you know what? Online, obviously, it's what I really want people to listen to it. Apparently, the audiobook Ooh. is fierce. Like people are loving the audiobook. So yeah, hey, you're a performer. You have a great voice. But I, I didn't yeah. think anyone would care about. See again, like I didn't think anyone would care about the audiobook because I don't listen to audiobooks. I like holding a book, smelling a book, reading a book, yeah. watching other people watch me read a book so they know that I can read. Like I like it's a performance <laughs> art. Like reading. A book is a performance. It's something I do in public. Like, so, like, I didn't, I didn't really care for the audio. I didn't think people would care for the audio book. But yes, listen to it on audio book. People are loving that. And um, uh, my socials are the London Hughes on Instagram and Twitter, and then London Hughesy on TikTok. I'm new to TikTok, and uh, I just like just it's really crazy putting out a book because you can't get instant gratification like when you put out a Netflix special or a TV show. Like you could just go on the hashtag of that show and see what people are saying about it but with a book really unless you tell me I do not know so please just message me and tell me how you feel about the book um I it's my first book and I and I can't believe people are loving it as much as they are and it shocks me every compliment shocks me and warms my vagina so please <laughs> give me compliments thank you get that get that vagina straight boiling please I want a boiling hot vagina by the end of the month please give me some compliments thank you so much <laughs> That's all for this week's episode. If you love this podcast, if you want more of this podcast, go join us on Patreon. If you become a Patreon member, you get one bonus episode every month. You get an email every episode of photos that go with the episode. You get a newsletter of all the best DMs that I get that month where we like learn and recap things. You also get access to our lounge, which is a cookies only chat lounge where we chat about episodes and all kinds of things. There's also other tiers. So you can join for just a dollar a month or $5 a month. And then for higher level tiers, we do a live book club on Zoom once a month where we listen to the episode of the podcast and discuss that episode. So no reading required. That's patreon.com slash Chelsea Devantes. And that is where we love your support. And that's also where the community is. A huge thank you to our producer, Kate Downey, our episode engineer, DJ Bat. No, that's right. It's Marcus Hom, formerly known as DJ Bouncy House assistant Jaron Padre and our executive producer Jordan Mercada. Our team does so much to make this podcast happen and I just thank them endlessly. Also a big thank you to our product partners at Tenteo, Natalie's Juice and Pattern Brands. They have given us and our guests so many great products. We're going to link each brand in the show notes and you can find all of the products that I love on my Instagram highlights where I am always on Instagram at Chelsea Devantes and I'll see you there or for another episode soon.